Almost four years ago, the Vegas Golden Knights assembled their roster on live TV. It was an expansion draft that, while we didn't know it at the time, led to immediate success and a berth in the Stanley Cup Finals in year one, people don't forget. This year, the Seattle Kraken will join the NHL fold, and they will also be assembling their roster in a matter of months. And they have Ron Francis as their GM, although no coach has been hired. So what happens when you give two armchair head coaches the chance to draft a new team? You're about to find out. Episode 266 of the Lace em Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace em Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Before we go to our main topic, Brett, uh, some injuries and a funny story out of Vancouver. Well, Ottawa, but yeah, I guess they were playing Vancouver at the same time. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were in Vancouver at the time. Yeah. I guess we could start with that one. Um, that story was, uh, so Matt Murray uh, gets injured um, and he, ha- he has to force out which is kind of a shame because he's he's starting to actually finally play well um but yeah he gets injured and then um I think Anton you were watching the game I think Anton Forsberg came in um and um, no 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 actually no no it didn't start off like that what happened is uh, before the start of the game Anton Forsberg was supposed to start oh then he got hurt Matt Murray came in Got hurt in the second period. Marcus uh, Holmberg came in, and because there are no emergency backups, okay. Plan D for Ottawa, if Hogberg got hurt, was Artemisimov right, a right. forward. And it was it was funny too because I uh, there was like a a clip or Shabbat said later that like Anisimov was like putting on the goalie gears and getting all all ready for it, and. Um, just like lighting the mood and everyone got a good laugh about it because he was all geared up in goalie gear. Um, It's funny because like in normal times, the e-bug situation, the emergency backup goalie would be um, available at that point because that would be the right situation for it. But because of COVID and all this stuff and like the taxi squad, you kind of have to like dress one of your taxi squad people as a goalie. So it was kind of funny that Anisimov was was um, all geared up in goalie gear, um, certainly would be pretty funny. Wouldn't um, it be funny, midway through his career, he switched positions, yeah. became a goalie, and won the Vezina? <laughs> that would be pretty funny. It would be. I feel like there's equivalent to like baseball where, I think... Um, Rick was, Ankiel, I believe. Yeah, was Rick, yeah, I was, yeah, I was thinking of that. Yeah, Rick Ankiel, he started his career as a pitcher, and then... Uh, late, he was a really good pitcher too, and then I guess he had like, um, then he started to get like anxiety pitching all the time. So then he started to, he made a comeback a couple of years later as an outfielder, and he was a decent outfielder too. So it's kind of yeah, interesting, very. yeah. So that he uh, was able to do that. Um, okay, and then uh, in terms of other news that are more related to hockey. Um, or stuff that actually did happen. Uh, first off, we have a couple of injury news. Um, Dylan Larkin, uh, he has an upper body injury. Um, he's going to be out for the season. 
Um, it says that he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, but um, I guess because the team has only seven games left, it's not like the Red Wings are pushing for the playoffs at all, so it's not like there's any rush to get him in. Uh, they're just uh, leaving him alone, which is the right move, um, and it makes sense. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's always sad whenever someone gets injured and you're like, oh, well, I guess we'll see. Um, the same goes for Tyler Pertuzzi. Um, he, uh, he had an upper body injury, but he wasn't even playing that much, um, since like <laughs> the entire season, it feels like. Um, and then, um, the other one is, uh, Jacob Silverberg. Uh, he has an hip, hip injury and he's going, uh, he's, he's doing surgery. Um, he's expected to be out, uh, four to six months or just in recovery time. So he may not even be ready by October when, the next season starts, but as a, you know, Anaheim's another team that needs, um, that doesn't really need Jacob Silverberg right now, and they need him to be healthier um, in the uh, next season when uh, Zegris and Drysdale and all these other younger youngins are are healthy and and ready to go. So, um, so that one's also another one where you're like, okay, it makes sense that he's out for the year. But, yeah. Yeah, so a little bit of a breakdown on the injuries real quick. Dylan Larkin, it's upper body related. Um, Jeff Blaschel, the coach of the Red Wings, yep. at this point in time, beyond this year, we don't know, yep. um, said if this injury happened earlier in the year, it looks like this would be a longer-term outing. So it's not like, oh, it, it, he'd be out for three weeks. If the season was longer, he'd be back soon. No, he would actually probably miss significant time with this injury mm-hmm. if this happened earlier. So it is pretty uh, significant. 23 points in 44 games, which ties in with Philip Aronik for the team lead, which basically tells you how bad the Red Wings right, are. Right. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, before he went down with an injury, uh, you mentioned, Brett, he hasn't played much. January 30th was his last game. Uh, and prior to that, he actually was on quite of a roll. Five goals, two assists, four power play points, seven total points in nine games. Um, but then this upper body injury um, basically slowed him down and hasn't played all that much. Um, and I'm not quite sure if surgery will be required in this case, but it is uh, certainly possible. Yep. Um, if, if it's kept him out uh, long enough, might be just best to nip it in the butt and get surgery and then return to full strength. Silverberg is it's a tougher one because it's hip surgery. Uh, he needed to repair a torn labrum and a bone problem in his right hip. And those injuries, not often easy to recover from. Um, I think it was, was it Pugliarby who had surgery on both of his hips a couple of years ago? Something like that, um, yeah. so, Someone did, yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, that, that those injuries can take a toll on you. And offensively, this was a pretty bad year for Silverberg. Eight goals, eight assists. Minus 17 rating, all career worse for him. And for the Ducks as a whole this year, has just been a tire fire. So, uh, yeah, a, a lot of losing in this segment of the show, Brett, uh, for the players and the team. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's expected. it was kind of expected at the beginning of the year that Anaheim and Detroit would both be bad. But, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I guess it makes sense for this type of thing where it's like, okay, yeah, they can they can take a couple of games off because it's not like they're winning those or need to win yeah. those games. 
and, and give our give our odds of a top five lottery pick right. um, an added boost in the process yeah, too. Exactly. Not, not like they need those wins anyway. Right. Speaking of which, uh, so that leads us into our next topic here, the main topic here, and uh, Steve did a good job of explaining what we're doing here. We're both armchair GMs right now. I mean, we kind of have been with our fantasy teams for a long while now, but uh, this time we're actually, this was something that was an idea that we had uh, before the season started, where it's like, this was kind of fun to do like uh like see what what is what's the perspective of every GM and the Seattle draft we've been talking about it forever and it's almost here um i think we did a similar thing to Vegas but when we did it for Vegas it was like before there were trades before there were any of these key signings and that could still happen uh more so like you know RFAs or UFAs could be signed and, and that more could, so of like a recap yeah. of actually what happened right. and who they did draft which exactly. we'll probably do again this time with Seattle as well but yeah. I don't think we went as in depth as right. we did this time and, and not to mention like Vegas like had like they made a lot of different deals with like Anaheim they made a lot of different deals with Minnesota Florida those were like the ones that were truly affected and made a couple of trades that were like in retrospect, you're like, wait, what? What is, what are they doing? Um, so and we, and we yeah. could see that again this year too. Yeah, for sure. We we could definitely see that happening. So a lot of these like team. So you have to keep that in mind when you're making this. Um, another, a couple of other things that I feel like should mention while I was making this. Um, first off, I should mention that cap friendly. Um, if you if you don't know. Cap Friendly has this interactive tool where, um, where you can start to you can pick which team thir- the thirty the twenty nine teams because Vegas isn't there. Um, I guess Vegas is exempt from this, uh, which is kind of yeah, ridiculous. How, how convenient because <laughs> we had no idea how good they would be. Right, right. it's like I, I think the NHL expected Vegas to be bad too, so they're like. All right, you don't. Yeah. Have, you know, Seattle won't have to pick from you guys as a consolation, and then it turns out like they're one of the best teams in the last three years. So. Four straight playoff yeah, appearances. Exactly. Later. It's like, <laughs> it's like you should probably like change that rule now, but whatever. Um. So so Vegas isn't there, so it allows you to like pick the uh the protect the players, draft a team, um, and and then you can view your team and you can see their cap friendly page basically from from what you just picked um so it's a really cool little tool here um so the other thing i was going to mention that vegas is not included in this which is kind of funny and interesting but whatever um the other things that i i realized and i'm not sure if you did this the same steve but um like for the ufas like the pending ufas um teams probably won't be able to protect them because like if Seattle picks them, like the free agency uh, market will open up the next day or like the next week or something. So if uh, see like I, I l- purposely left Alex Ovechkin unprotected um, in for Washington, but like, I mean, Seattle could take Ovechkin and they probably could, but they would have like uh, like one week in order to sign him, um. So I figured like it's probably a big enough risk that they can, uh, Washington could afford to protect their 
franchise goal scoring leader. Or the, um, or the cap sign Ovechkin to an extension, then have right. to protect him, and they're just like, okay, well, right. who's the odd man out? Now? Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple of other ones like Tuka Rask, Ryan Getzlav. I, I, I'm sure there's a couple more. The only other ones that, like, you know, like restricted free agents, <laughs> there was a time when I was only like doing players that, like, uh, like I could only protect players that, like, were, like, UFAs, um, like, you know, further down the line or RFAs further down the line. But then I started to realize that, like, for RFAs who are, like, pending RFAs, it wouldn't make sense for, um, like, a team to not protect those guys. Because, like, there was guys like Kale McCarr, Elias Pedersen, um, uh, I think there was a, another Erasmus Dahlin, and then I Quinn was Hughes. Quinn Hughes. Well, Quinn Hughes is exempt uh, because he. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, convenient for the Canucks then. I yeah, yeah, about that. but but Elias Pettersson could have been taken. But I was thinking yes. like because of how restricted free agents work, it wouldn't make sense for um, like you know Seattle could probably like if they were to pick someone like Pettersson, they could. Uh, theoretically keep him because, you know, then Vancouver would have to offer sheet Elias Pedersen. So it wouldn't make sense um, um, if if Seattle were to, like, take him. Uh, so the restricted free agents was the one where I was like, okay, there's you're going to have to do some. Having said that, I have a couple of pending restricted free agents on here where I was thinking, like, some, some teams, like um, Detroit, like, there were, like, so, like, there were only, like, pending UFAs that were available. Um, but um, but then there were some teams where it's like, it kind of, I could see them maybe letting them go. Um, so I'll get into that when we when we talk about that. But, um, but yeah. And so, there's also, it's also important to note that we're also taking into account left wingers, right wingers, centers. Yeah. Maybe not as much left-handed, right-handed defensemen, because I know when Vegas drafted their team, I can't remember if it was the left side or the right side, but one side a defenseman and the other side not so much. Yeah. Um, but definitely uh, when it comes to forwards positioning, we'll probably be taken into effect in terms of like needs. And I also, like I'm sure Brett took into account, there's a salary cap we need to follow. Yep. And it's not going up or down. So uh, that impacted a lot of our decisions, I'm sure, as well. For like, sure. We'd like to obviously take, you know, the, the the most amount of guys, even though their cap hits pretty good, but if they're good guys, you want to have them. But yeah, there's a salary cap there, so right, right, and I, and I yeah I, I I will say that I didn't when I was making the team, I wasn't so focused on like, um, on like if there were a winger, if there were a center and stuff, or the right-handed and left-handed stuff. But you know now I'm looking at my team and I'm like, okay, there's there's a fair amount of uh, like right-handed and left-handed and wingers and centers that that they could all play. So, um, yeah. so I I did end up making it that way, but um, but yeah. To be fair though, it. there's nothing stopping Seattle from just trading the guy a few days later, like they did with Mark Mathod, like they did yep. with David Schlemko, yep. like Vegas a couple of years ago. So, so the way we're gonna do this is uh, we're gonna start with the forward groups, the D groups, and the goalie groups. Um, and then, um, and then we'll, we have a couple of questions that we're going to talk if we haven't figured it out already. Um, 
but yeah, so, um, so I, I also wanted to mention that I don't think we're going to like, I don't, I don't want this to take three hours. Um, I don't think that'll be interesting to you listeners. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it more for that. Um, but I will like mention these guys in passing and I think Steve will do the same, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I will get into some of my reasoning, um, as well while I'm doing it. I just didn't want to do like team by team of like, who are yeah. they going to, no, we're not going to go that, that, team. that, that's, that's too intense. So, um, so yeah, so I guess I'll start first with the forward groups. Um, so I guess I'll, yeah, I'll get into it here. Um, so I guess there are three, um, the three forwards that are actually pretty good right now, uh, two are actually pretty good, I should say. So the first one is, uh, Jason Zucker, um, is going to be the, the star of the show. Um, it's interesting too, cause I figured like last year, Pittsburgh, like, you know, took him on, they made that big trade to get Jason Zucker here. They signed him to a longer term contract, but, um, I was just thinking like, you know, I was just looking here. So they have a no move clause for Malkin, Crosby, and Latang, and you know even if they weren't no move clauses, they would keep them. Uh, Jake Gensel is another one that they have to keep. Brian Rust is another one, um, and then th- these last couple ones were a little bit more difficult. Um, ultimately, I guess they could maybe like. It was interesting too because there was like an there's an option for an eight forwards and one goalie option, um, but because Latang has a no movement clause, uh, they Pittsburgh can't do that, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. So like I like really when you look down this list, you're like it's Latang is the only one that they should be keeping, but I guess they can't do that. Um, so so I went with. Uh, so, yeah, Jake Ensel, Brian Rust were the other ones that were pretty obvious. Um, Kasperi Kapanen, who's been pretty good this season. Uh, Jeremy McCann has been phenomenal this year. It's kind of nice to see that he's kind of picked it up lately. And then, uh, lastly, I kind of went with a, um, another option of, like, Teddy Bluger as the, the last uh, protected guy. Maybe that's a little bit of a, a weird person that they're going to protect but maybe not I don't know I I think he's been pretty he's been low-key pretty good uh this year um and I figure and Jason Zucker has been struggling so so that's why I was going with Jason Zucker um Tyler Johnson is on the uh uh second big forward that I decided to keep this one isn't as surprising considering how good the lightning are uh, Hedman, uh, St- Samkos, and Kucherov all have no movement clauses as they should. Uh, Braden Point, uh, Andre Palat, Yanni Gord, Anthony Sorelli um, were my forwards that I decided to protect. Um, and then I had Sergeyev and Chernak as the defensemen. And then obviously I had Vasilevsky as well to protect. Um, oh, and I also had Matthew Joseph. I guess they could have taken Tyler Johnson. But I was thinking that because Tyler Johnson is from Seattle or in that area, um, I figured it, it could be kind of cool to have him there. Maybe he wants to go there. Um, and they've been rumored to like want to get rid of him. So I feel like they probably want to keep maybe one of their like you know younger guys like Matthew Joseph or even Alex Beret-Boulay um, 
and and then instead and on top of yeah. that they also have a lot of young defensemen to yeah. protect so it could be a situation where they're right. just like yeah you can take this guy oh you can take tyler johnson yeah. too we don't need him for sure they're they're a prime candidate of maybe making a trade with seattle to like maybe not try to like if you take tyler johnson uh don't like don't take take anyone else but alex Berebule or something like that or besides matthew joseph yeah they're a prime candidate for that um, and then lastly, which is kind of a surprising, even when I was starting to do this, and then I was thinking, like, there's no other way that this would work out, is um, Nazem Kadri. Um, I feel like when I was just doing this out, I was just like, so they have, the only one who has a no-movement clause um, is Eric Johnson on the team, which is kind of surprising, because you would think McKinnon, Rantanen, or Landeskog would have... Um, would have something, but I figured not. Um, Landeskog is a UFA this year, but I decided mm-hmm. that they would probably want to protect him because he's their captain and all, and I figured like it wouldn't make sense for him to not. Um, so I decided to keep McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog. And then the third, uh, the fourth one was uh, Andre Burakovsky. Um, and then as for defense, there's a couple of them, whereas like, yeah, they probably want to keep them. Uh, Kale McCarr, Devin Taze, and Sam Gerrard. Um, so that leaves Nazem Kadri available. It also leaves Ryan Graves available. Um, and I was thinking, like, if I'm Seattle, like, yeah, Ryan Graves is pretty good, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. They may even, like, leave Landis Gog unprotected and, you know, protect Nazem Kadri instead. And, and then you'd have Ryan Graves available, which is fine, too. Um, but... But it, it was just, like, I, I felt like Nazem Kadri would make some sense for Seattle to take instead of Ryan Graves. So that was my thinking there. Um, then there was, a you know, I don't want to go through the entire stuff. So I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say here, uh, Victor Rask, I have for Minnesota. Andrew Shaw, um, Adam Lowry, uh, Richard Panic who just got traded to Detroit. But it's interesting for them because... Uh, Detroit has, like, I think we talked about this uh, last week, um, was that they have a couple, like, pretty much a lot of their guys are short-term, on short-term contracts. So, like, they could protect Franz Nielsen or they could protect Richard Panic, but I figured they probably would want to protect Michael Rasmussen and Evgeny Svechnikov instead. Um, and there's, like, a couple, and, like, I would literally not want to keep any of their defensemen other than Philip Peronic. Um, but everyone else, I was just like, uh, I don't know how you can do that either. So Yeah, I'm, I'm sure CL would want one. And then they look at their cap here and just like, yeah, yeah no yeah. thanks. Yeah, exactly. This is one of the ones where it's just like, wait, I don't I don't want to take anyone. Do we have to take someone from Detroit? Um, so, so Richard Panic is an interesting one, just particularly because he was just traded to Detroit. Um, Oscar Sundquist, Cal Yarncruck, Nola Chari. That one was, in, Florida was an interesting one because I felt like, um, there was a couple of interesting moves there. Uh, Anthony Duclair is an RFA, so maybe, uh, they take Anthony Duclair instead. Um, I wouldn't be, uh, surprised by that, but, um, but yeah, that one was an interesting one. Or, I guess, Wenberg's an UFA next year, but that one was an interesting one. I also said that they would protect Mason Marchman, 
Um, maybe if I'm looking back at this, uh, they would maybe want to keep Anthony Declare. Um, I also have Sam Bennett being kept. He's been looking pretty good lately for Florida. Um, other ones I have, uh, let's see, Brandon Lemieux, uh, Austin Watson from your Ottawa Senators, Tage Thompson, that's another one where it's just like, Seattle's probably like, do we have to take anyone from Buffalo? Uh, Christian Fisher. Yeah, yeah, give Buffalo from the Ryan O'Reilly trade. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Christian Fisher was from Arizona. Um, and then I have a few of the RFAs that are the pending RFAs, but I was just like, I don't know how they would decide to keep these guys, um, even though they'll probably hurt them. Uh, one is Kiefer Bellows, Michael McLeod, uh, Brett Howden, and then uh, Isaac Lundestrom. Uh, for Anaheim, that one was, I guess I, I could talk about all those teams, but I felt like Anaheim's the interesting one because they have Max Jones and Sam Steele also pending RFAs. They also have Troy Terry. I guess I kind of, I picked Sony Milano as another one that they could, that I decided to protect, but maybe, you know, rethinking that, maybe they decide to go with like Volkov or Lundestrom. But I figured that they have Trevor Zegers in the system. They have, you know, Ryan Getzloff. Maybe they decide to sign him. They could afford to lose someone like Isaac Lundestrom. Um, but I guess it wouldn't be surprising if Isaac Lundestrom is uh, protected at the same time. Kiefer Bellows is an interesting one just because it seems like he's been on the taxi squad sometimes and then he's not. I feel like the like the Islanders hate him for some reason, so they probably would want to uh, leave him exposed. Um yeah, and Michael McLeod, your favorite player, um, and Brett Howden is another one. Um, so yeah, those are my forward groups. Um, it's not too bad, but um, I guess it could be better at the same time. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to do it a bit more different than you, where I just tell you um, the forwards and the positions, and then I just explain um, the dynamics of the forwards. I'm not going to sure. go into who I protected, because I honestly forget. Write okay. it down, but um, okay. I'll probably I'll probably like when we talk about like what Seattle actually did, who they picked. I'll probably get more into the who I yeah. think should have been protected and who shouldn't. Of course, but um, and anyways, like we, and so like I and like we mentioned before, it's like a lot of these, you know, there's you know they could still like sign some of these free agents and yeah. they would be protecting some of these guys. So we do. There's still a couple of these things where it's like, okay, if we had known that this person was going to be signed long-term, then they probably would have protected them. So okay. that's another thing to keep in mind. All right. So I'll uh, name the players, and then I'll uh, go in-depth on the forwards. All right. So uh, starting off with left-wingers, we have Michael Bunting from Arizona, Warren Fogel from Carolina, Andre Burakovsky from Colorado. I thought about Kadri, but decided to go Burakovsky. Mm-hmm. Kelly Yarncroke of the National Predators, Ryan Donato of the San Jose Sharks, and Alex Kalorn of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Those uh-huh. are the left wingers. On the right wing, Ryan Carpenter, who is on the Chicago Blackhawks, and oddly enough, did play for Vegas way back when. Vlad right. uh, Nemesnikov with Detroit, they could flip him. Maybe they keep him for a year. I don't know what they do, but his stay will probably be short. But that's the player I think they picked from Detroit. 
Uh, Kevin Rooney of the Rangers, I think Colin Blackwell's just been too darn good. There's no way the Rangers let Seattle take him. Yep. But Kevin Rooney's also not a bad bet, so I think the Rangers uh, will not leave him protected and Seattle will just take him. Uh, Jake Vertanen, Vancouver, that could be an interesting pick. TJ Oshie of the Capitals, I'll get to him uh, in a second more in depth. And uh, Mason Appleton of the Winnipeg Jets looked pretty good for them this year. Yeah, that's good. That brings us to the guys down the middle. Max Domion, classic guy who has a big, big chip on his shoulder. Watch out for him. Uh, another guy that probably has a chip on his shoulder, Kyle Turris, who is on the Oilers and hasn't really found his stride in what seems like forever. Uh, Ryan Hartman, who signed a recent extension with the Minnesota Wild for three years. Um, I think he might be disappointed, though, in a couple of months when Seattle takes them, and I'll explain why later. Uh, you also have Yeager, Sharon Govich of the New Jersey Devils added a little bit of offensive pop and a pretty young player too. A lot yep. of room to grow. Uh, Chris Tierney of the Ottawa Senators. I think they'll need a center who can kill some penalties and add a little bit of offense. I think he could fit the bill for them. And you mentioned him in your um, Pittsburgh segment, Brett, but I don't think they'll protect him. Teddy Bluger. Oh, wow. I think he is the classic example of a speedy penalty killer that uh, Seattle needs. So yeah, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to keep Luger instead. Um, probably what they will do, but I, I don't know. Maybe I have a soft spot for Bluger, um, so maybe we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, so that's basically what I chose. Now I'll get in-depth on the Fords front. Uh, so the most expensive name on this list and on this team is T.J. Oshie, who is from Washington State, like Tyler Johnson is. He owns the lengthiest contract on this roster after this year. Another four years left, uh, an eight-year pact he signed with the Capitals in 2017. Could have tested free agency back then and chose to stay in Washington, and he got rewarded with the Stanley Cup the following year. His cap hit is $5.75 million per season. Uh, here is how it breaks down over the next four years. He makes six million this coming season, 2021-22, 4. Uh, 4. sorry, the year, five million the year after that, and his final year, a mere four million dollars. The drawback is he turns 35 this coming December, but I'm still taking him for a number of reasons. First of all, you look at his offensive numbers: 17 goals in 47 games. That's almost 30 goals on the button over a normal 82-game schedule. Pretty decent. Also has twenty two of uh, that. Also has twenty one helpers, which is two fewer than last year when he appeared in sixty nine games. Very nice. His thirty eight points in forty seven games also pretty decent. That is a respectable sixty six point pace in a normal eighty two game campaign. To put things into perspective, that eighty two game average over the past five or six years kind of gone up and down, but. When it's been in the 60-point range, it's been around 64 to 68. Um, this would actually be the highest campaign 82-game um, average since 2016-17 when he had 33 goals and 56 points, and I think it was around 65 to 67 over a full 82 games back then. To be fair, in 2016-17, his shooting percentage was crazy good, 23.1%. The only time it's been above 20%, but it's around 18 to 19% um, in, in previous years. This year, it's looked pretty decent as well. 
Um, like I said, a local connection to the Washington State yeah. area kind of reminds me like Derek Englund, what he was in Vegas. Even though he wasn't from Vegas, he spent a lot of time in the lower levels playing in Vegas and uh, kind of grew attached to the city when he was there. Um, so I think he could be a solid leadership guy for them. Um, maybe an impact player offensively and a difference maker like Fleury was in in his first couple of years with Vegas. Not a guarantee, but a stranger things have happened. They're around the same age at, uh, when they enter these new situations. Um, and ultimately, the main reason why I think they're going to go for TJ Oshie is a winner. Yep. This guy, while people knock him, while it took him until 2018 to win a Stanley Cup, he still won a Stanley Cup. He's been to the playoffs multiple times, and he is very hungry to win. And I think that can really be an impact uh, scenario for the Seattle Kraken. The franchise face could be someone like TJ Oshie. Now, maybe the Capitals protect TJ Oshie and they let Seattle take someone like Connor Sheary or Daniel Sprung, but protecting that group and copying up those future prospects or even draft picks, like a first rounder, per se, what are those? Um, I think that's something the Capitals would really, really regret in a couple of years. And I don't think they should really go for broke to protect aging veterans like TJ Oshie. Now they could protect him, but I don't know if that's the right play. uh, When you consider, you know, what they might have to give up just to protect TJ Oshie for another four years. So that's that's why I think he could be available for Seattle to take, and that's why I think Seattle takes him. Now, looking at the rest of the forwards, there is some talent. For example, Andre Burakovsky played with TJ Oshie with the Capitals. If you hear that thunder, it's thundering outside right now at the time I'm recording this. So that's what that, that is. Yeah. Um, I think Burakovsky could have some form of success, even though the supporting cast isn't as deadly as it is in Colorado right now. I still think he could be a good player. Kalorn in the same category, aging player, but had some good seasons in Tampa Bay, maybe did benefit from the talents on his lines, but a guy that can still score goals can still put up points. You look at guys like Warren Fogle, Carl, uh, Kelly Yarncroke, Ryan Donato. own right, they bring a fair bit of scoring talent to the left side, maybe in a line two or line three capacity, one or two of them could be impact players. We'll see. They could be like an Eric Hollow. Uh, now, on the right side, Oshie is probably the biggest name there, but you also have Jake Bertan and you also have Mason Appleton, who have shown a lot of promise in Vancouver and Winnipeg, respectively. Um, Carpenter, Nemesnikov, and Rooney, bottom six material, but good bottom six material. You look at how Vegas has been assembled in the past. One of the reasons why they were so good so soon, their fourth line with guys like Ryan Reeves, with guys like William Carrier, those guys, they play their roles. They play their roles very well, and they can score the odd goal here or there to give their team a boost. I think a very, very important that Seattle has a very good fourth line. So I don't think the additions of Carpenter, Nemesnikov, and Rooney would be underestimated. I think they need to play very big roles on that team. And then we get to um, our situation down the middle. As I mentioned, chip on his shoulder, Max, Do- Max Domi. Um, forgettable season with Columbus, but still has the offense, and I think he could be a contributor for the Kraken there. Maybe it's a nice change of scenery, could get his game back on track. Hopefully the same with Kyle Turris. He could be a solid line two, line three center for them. 
Tierney and Bluger penalty killing experience. And like I said, Bluger's speed could be deadly, shorthanded. Sharon Govich, the speed that he brings um, and the offensive pop that he's shown with New Jersey, I think that's good. Um, going back to the Hartman situation and the extension that he just signed, look at the guys that are on no moves in Minnesota, and you can understand what the problem is, especially on the back end. They're going to have to protect, if they want to protect Mac Dumba, they're going to have to protect four defensemen because three are automatically protected with the no moves. Right. And you also have two forwards that are protected, so you're just like, okay, we need to protect, let's see here, oh, yeah, only two more forwards because we have protected four defensemen because it's yep. eight skaters and a goalie, you see? So you keep that in mind. You also have guys like Joel Erickson Eck and Jordan Greenway the last thing you want Seattle doing is taking one of those guys. And that's where I think a guy like Ryan Hartman could be expendable. And yep. I don't think they want to give up a first round pick as well as part of the ransom. So they're going to have to, they're going to have to take a big gulp and say bye-bye to someone like Ryan Hartman or a Nico Sturm even, because mm-hmm. the last thing they want, like I said, is a young player like Greenway and Erickson Eck, who have both been good for them this year and are clearly on the up and up walking away for nothing they don't want that so um that's my thinking process behind my forwards right yeah that that's a good those are good lists here you're making me rethink my own list here so so that's the sign of a good a good list here not Um, saying they're a playoff team but that's that's not a bad forward list no no for sure that's that's respectable i chose to i chose to uh protect ryan hartman um but you're right. I think Jordan Greenway makes the most sense to protect him, um, and then you have you leave Ryan Hartman exposed, even though he has been pretty good lately. Um, so that that makes some sense there. And I don't you mentioned Joel Eriks. Oh yeah, you, I guess they could also have taken to uh, keep Joel Erickson Eck. That's another one. So maybe the, the Minnesota is a prime candidate for making a trade with Seattle. Which is funny because the they did the same. One good thing that Minnesota has going for them is yeah. that Kaprizov's extent, so exactly. they don't have to worry about protecting him. But yeah. other than that, they're in trouble. And also, they have uh, Matthew Boldy and Kalen Addison also yeah. in Samples too, also which true. is and Marco Rossi, yeah. which is helpful. So they have a bright future, even if they do take one of those guys. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely something where it's like maybe they do make a move to to do uh, to do something if they want to keep this core alive. Um, they probably will. It's interesting too because you notice that like Zach Parise and Matt Zuccarello have no movement clauses when they mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have. So that's an interesting part. But yeah, maybe they do take uh, Joel Erickson. I have them taking Victor Rask, but maybe they do take Jordan Greenway instead. Yeah, Victor Rask could be a throw in as part of a trade. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. we'll give you Victor Rask and this guy if yeah. you don't take this guy. And then as for it, it could definitely, yeah. as for TJ Oshie, I could see. Um, that I was actually thinking of t- doing TJ Oshie and all I'm about to say who I think what uh, they're going to take from Washington, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised. That was not a bad pick, but I was debating that myself. Um, especially because of the Seattle thing. I figured he'll probably take either Tyler Johnson or TJ Oshie or both. Um, just yeah, they could they're get both, both. Yeah. They're both just the Washington Just because of the cap ones. situation, yep. both Washington and San yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so for my defense here, um, to be honest, I didn't really think too much about the left-handed and right-handed, but I'm looking here. I can here. tell you I did, but yeah. yeah. 
it doesn't but, it doesn't matter. Like Vegas proved it doesn't matter. Yeah, and and they could probably make a trade to like get another one. I I've seen here that I think there are a couple of like I'm sure I think one right-handed, but there is one that does both left-handed yeah. and right-handed, so it, it is possible. Um so the first one I have here is Brady Shea. Um I was actually debating if the Hurricanes would keep Brady Shea or keep uh, Jake Bean, but I started to think about that more, and I was like, Jake Bean's been pretty good, and Brady Shea, as as good of a like a shutdown defenseman as he's been, um, they can have, they could Carolina probably wants him gone, um, especially at like five million cap. I, I well, figured, on top of that, they're yeah. gonna have to re-sign Dougie Hamilton and Andre yeah. Sveshnikov. So exactly. I think That's a contract like Brady Shea or Jake Gardner is probably likely yeah. gone. Especially, yeah, they're they're probably happy that uh, this is probably the only situation where Carolina would be happy that Brady Shea would be gone. Um, but yeah, they're gonna. I I have them taking Brady Shea. Uh, Washington's another one where um, it says here that he's a left-handed and a right-handed defenseman, but uh, I'm gonna. I think he's probably a left-handed, but we'll see. Um, so I have Dmitry Orlov um, instead of taking uh, TJ Oshie instead. Um, I figured that like he's another shutdown defenseman, but I figured it'd be kind of. Um, I feel like watching like when I was looking at Washington's list, it's like so as I mentioned, Ovechkin's going to be a UFA this year. Uh, they they have to keep Backstrom because of the no movement clause. Kuznetsov, um, TJ Oshie, Anthony Mantha, Tom Wilson. I also have them taking Lars Eller um, and Connor Sheary. Uh, They have to take John Carlson. Justin Schultz has been pretty good for them. Um, I also have uh, Michael Kepney. Maybe in retrospect that doesn't really make sense. Uh, I was actually thinking about him on my list, but I opted against it. Uh, So maybe they don't. Um, and then, um, and then as for goalies, it's kind of an interesting situation for goalies because I could also see them taking Banachek, um, instead of Sam Samsonov, um, who I have them protecting. I have them protecting Samsonov instead of Banachek, but I could also see Seattle taking, um, uh, Banachek if that happens. But as I'll mention, they do have better options in goal, um, instead. Yeah. So I figured, I figured uh, Dmitry Orlov of the ones that were un- I left unprotected, um, it makes sense to have D- uh, Dmitry Orlov. I mean, obviously <laughs> they would the best player who the Capitals didn't protect would be Ovechkin. But um, considering the UFA stuff, um, but I figured uh, Dmitry Orlov is not a bad pick for them um, if they do go that route. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe it's something, like, where, considering that T.J. Oshie is, like, maybe he does want to go to Seattle, so he just requests that Washington let him, uh, leave, leave him exposed and mention it to, like, the Seattle things, like, hey, I want to go to Seattle or something like that. Maybe that's possible. Uh, Chris, Chris Tanev is another one, uh, from Calgary. That's a, Calgary's one of the ones where it's, like, once they started to protect all their good players here... Goudreau's, your Monahans, your Giordano's, uh, Kachuk's, and then you're like, Calgary doesn't really have much to choose from after that. So uh, Christopher Tanev's almost like 
kind of like a Detroit situation or an Arizona where you're like, wait, okay, I guess we'll just take this guy. Um, uh, Shane Ghost Despair, I have here. I think you probably have him as well. I was think I think there was a couple of guys that I left exposed that I could see them maybe taking. Like Nolan Patrick is one that stood out. I was debating that one. Um, also, I was debating on uh, maybe taking um, James Van Riemsdyk is the other one. But um, I figure Shane goes to spare. He's been pretty good right now. But for some reason, the Flyers hate him. They put him on waivers. They want to get rid of him somehow. Um, so I figure uh, Seattle's going to uh, do the Flyers a favor. And I think it, he has the potential of being like a Shea Theodore type situation where... Um, where he like becomes like a next level defenseman for for Seattle, um, and that would be a big pick for them. Uh, it's just gonna be like, oh, you yeah. could have Shane Gosses Bear, and Seattle's like, ah, we wanted him anyway. Fine, we'll <laughs> yeah, sure, him. we'll take we'll take Shane Gosses Bear. Right, uh, that's another prime candidate for a trade. Uh, Radim Shemek, I have for San Jose. I noticed that you had Ryan Donato. I I chose that they would protect him, but I could. I could also see them maybe leaving him exposed, but they take Redeem Shemek. Um, and then Dean Kukin uh, from Columbus. Um, I thought of him. Yep. I thought of him long and hard, but opted against it. But yeah, good pick up there. Uh, Justin Hole is the other from Toronto. I have, he's been actually pretty good, but I just couldn't see a way that Toronto would protect him. Um, then we go to uh, Caleb Jones from Edmonton. He's going to be an RFA next year. Um, it's He's a good young player for them, so he could be like an up-and-coming defenseman for them. And then, sadly, for the Boston Bruins, I have Jeremy Lazan. Um, I, was, I was thinking, I guess I can mention this because uh, I am a Bruins fan and all that, so I will mention that, you know, obviously they take Bergeron, Marshawn, Charlie Coyle has an NMC as well. Um, then uh, you have you have to protect David Pasternak. You have to protect um, Trent Frederick, um, and then all the other ones like maybe they protect like Nick Ritchie, and Craig Smith has been pretty good. So maybe they leave like Jake DeBrusque exposed. I could see that happening. Maybe they they have him out there. But as for defensemen, it was tough for me because you have to keep. Charlie McAvoy, you have to keep Macris, like you have to keep Brendan Carlo, but then that leaves like Jeremy Lazan um, open um, to be exposed, and um, he's been pretty good. And maybe that's just like my own homerism, but I I think the Bruin uh, Jeremy Lazan is probably gonna go to Seattle, um, and then as for goalies, um, because Rask and Halak are UFAs next year, and luckily Swayman is exempt. Um, they, and Stadnicka, um, Daniel Valadar would be, uh, kept, um, and, and all that stuff. So, um, so that would, that was why I felt like the Bruins would, would choose to protect that way. But I guess they could theoretically leave Jake DeBrusque, um, open. Um, yeah, but, but we'll see. Um, I guess there's other options too, like Andre Cachet. Um, although he's always injured, <laughs> um, but he's an RFA, so they could potentially do that. Nick Ritchie's another one, um, where I could see that happening, but, 
Uh, Jeremy Lazan, it would be a tough loss for the Bruins for sure. Um, yep. Yeah, so that that's my uh, nine defensemen. Yeah, it's pretty respectable. Very very respectable actually. Um, and who was the hybrid uh, defenseman that played the lefts and the right side uh, that you picked? Uh, that was uh, well. It says here that both Lazan and Orloff can play both left and right, but I'm okay. not sh- necessarily sure if that's true. So. Um, but otherwise, it would work out that we have, like, I think we have three, four right-handed defensemen and five left-handed defensemen, if everything worked out. Okay, okay. Uh, so my defense, and then I'll get into the specifics of uh, the defense that I picked. Uh, Boston had some interesting possibilities. I thought about Nick Ritchie, thought about Trent Frederick yep. as well as guys Seattle would take, but opted for a defenseman. And the defenseman that I chose was not Jeremy Lausanne. It was Mike Riley, one of two UFAs, the other being Michael Bunting. But I'll explain why the Mike Riley move makes sense in a little bit. So you have Mike Riley on the left-handed defensive side. So I'll start with left-handed defenseman. Uh, the other left-handed defenseman that I have, Christian Molainen from the LA Kings, former Sens prospect. Uh, Shane Goss despair from the Flyers. So we're both in agreement there that Shane's going to Seattle. Yep. Uh, and then we have Travis Dermott from the Toronto Maple Leafs, also a left-handed defenseman. The hybrid defense I have is Vince Dunn of the St. Louis Blues, oh, that's a good one, who can man. play both the left and the right side. Um, so then we go to the right-handed shots. Kevin Shattenkirk from the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Chris Tanna from the Calgary Flames. Everyone's favorite player, Radko Gudis from the Florida Panthers, and from the New York Islanders, Scott Mayfield. Hmm. Um, so now I get into the specifics of uh, the defense here. Um, on the left side, I think Mike Riley Seattle's an appealing interest uh, is an appealing, interesting place for him because uh, imagine this: you're a guy that's just trying to fit in with the Montreal Canadiens. You're a guy that's just trying to fit in with the Ottawa Senators. And then you go to the Boston Bruins where you're one of the guys and your offensive game looks good. But then Seattle comes in and says, hey, how would you like to be a part of an inaugural franchise? You maybe get to play second pairing minutes behind uh, uh, someone like uh, Shane Goss to spare. How does that sound to you? I don't, I don't think Mike Riley says no to that. I think he could sign like a one-year, two-year deal, see how it works in Seattle. So that's why I think Mike Riley, um, that that would be a risk worth taking. Because, like, he, he's yeah. not even getting paid $2 million per year. So, sure. like, it's not even, like, an expensive option. That, I could, um, wait, I, I do want to say that, like, I could see that happening. However, because he's a UFA this year, I feel like he could just sign the next week. And the Seattle would just, like, take another person that the Bruins have. And then they get a, another player when... Mike Riley signs with them the next week. True. And and Boston could be in a position where they could also be making a trade with yep. Seattle because of Their the players involved. And I could see I that think too, yeah. Seattle would be I think Seattle would be also wise to talk to Mike Riley first and see if he would be interested in that experiment right. before they say yes to that. Because also they have uh, the but, potential of like losing Mike Riley if he doesn't sign within a week. So that would be the other situation. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. a bold gamble. Don't get me wrong, but I think it could work out for them. Okay. So I have him on my team. 
I mean, I would, uh, I would be happy if they took Mike Riley just simply because it's like, well, we're not signing him anyways. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, and like the the guy, you know, he plays with like rest, reckless abandon sometimes, and yeah. mistakes will happen. But I feel like it's going to be the case with a new team. Like right. mistakes are going to happen. You're not expected to win. Um, but I think it's a refreshing take, and and I think he would welcome that. So. Yeah, Mike Riley for now, I, I, I can see him on the crack, and he would be a good fit for them behind Goss Despair. Uh, to the point of Goss Despair, I think this would be a career revival. I think he could return to his rookie form back when electric defenseman for Philly. Um, so, so yeah, I think Goss Despair is a very good fit for them. German, I could see getting some more ice time too. I think Willainen has some potential maybe uh, down the road to be a serviceable defenseman for them. Uh, as I mentioned, Vince Dunn can play on the left side or the right side. His numbers in terms of blue liners on the blues, he's been near the top. Um, but also it was tough for him and the blues to find common ground on a contract and maybe on the trading block a few times. So uh, I, I, I don't see Vince Dunn with the blues. So I think for that reason, Seattle could be a destination for him. Uh, the right side... I think Chris Tanev is a heart and soul guy. He's a guy that plays on the gritty size. Gudis is the type of guy that, that you absolutely cannot stand. And I think for a first-year team, it's huge to have a guy that plays on that edge. Um, and Mayfield can play that tough style brand of hockey as well. Um, so I think Gudis, Tanev, and Mayfield could wreak havoc on the right side, especially if you're going to have a lot of talent on the left side. You need good, hard-hitting defensemen. Um, playing alongside them. And then in power play situations, you need a veteran quarterback on the right side. That's where Shattenkirk comes in. So, yeah, that's my defense for the Seattle Kraken. That's my Seattle Kraken. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know. I feel like every time I hear your your list and your reasoning, I'm like, oh, I should have thought of that. Why didn't I do that? So, so I'm now rethinking my own list here, my own Seattle Kraken. But I do, I do like that. And, I think we both are in agreement that Shane Goss's bear is going to the Kraken. Um, and should be yeah, pretty good I, on that. I'm, I'm interested to these we get right in actual time. Exactly, like, yeah. That should be fun. Like, how many? Like, is it just the one, like, Shane yeah. Goss's bear, or could it be, like, or seven or more than that? Who knows? Yeah, that's definitely possible. Um, and then... Uh, Maybe they should hire the scouts, eh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, you. it's your turn for goaltenders. Okay. Um, I think we are going to be in dead on agreement with our goaltending list, uh, oh, yeah. except for the depth guy. So I'll start with the depth guy. The depth guy I chose is Dustin Tokarski of the Buffalo Sabres. And I know mm. a lot of people are thinking, he hadn't won a game since 2015 and he plays on Buffalo. Why are you picking Dustin Tokarski? Yeah. I think he would be good AHL depth for a team in a pinch. You could call him up. He can play some games for you. And I don't know if you've watched the series the past couple of weeks. Tokarski's actually done a decent job with them. Yeah. So I, I, I think for that reason, Tokarski's a safe bet for them. I definitely pick him over Aaron Dell in the season he's having in New Jersey. Right. So. Can I uh, say something? Because I'm looking back at who I chose to protect for Buffalo. Uh, Linus okay. Olmark and Carter Hutton are both pending UFAs. The only... Mm-hmm. The only one that's not 
uh, pending UFA for the Sabres in goal is Dustin Tatarski. So I don't know if they're... Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would make more sense for Buffalo to protect Dustin Tatarski. But whatever. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, essentially, you're saying that if, you have them... Walmart's on his way out anyway. Yeah, 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 exactly. So they probably they probably will protect Tukarski, um, unless unless Ulmark decides to, um, um, you know, is signed beforehand or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Tukarski is probably a fifty-fifty situation, but there are also a lot of free agent goaltenders that yeah. I think are maybe a little bit better than Tukarski that Buffalo could sign. Um, True, but... So yeah, and they also have Uko Pekalukinen. Yeah. So not 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 saying that Tukarski is, you know, protecting Tukarski is the best thing they can do. I'm sure it's it's a it's a wise move to keep him around if you're Buffalo. But um, I I do think it's not a situation where they can't find other solutions if they don't protect him and Seattle takes him. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's that's part of the reason why I picked Tukarski. But yeah, Um, now the main guys that will be tasked with leading the Seattle Kraken, I think are probably the two that you picked. I picked Anton Hudobin of the Dallas Stars and Jake Allen of the Montreal Canadiens. Yep. Um, and the reason I picked those two guys, uh, Hudobin is the colorful personality like Marc-Andre Fleury was for Vegas to lighten the mood in the dressing room. And he can also give you quality goaltending no matter what his role is, whether it's a starter, whether it's a backup. He might be in his mid to late 30s, but hey, he's still playing pretty good hockey and he can steal some games for you. So that's great. Jake Allen has looked solid in Montreal. In fact, he has better numbers than Gary Price and he's basically gotten zero offensive support while doing his job. Like it's insane how many times he gets more than three goals in a game with the Habs? It almost yeah. doesn't happen this year. And um, you, you look at his numbers in, in each of the starts um, that he's manufactured, it's also been pretty good too. And even last year, gave the Blues some quality goaltending uh, when Bennington was either struggling or when Bennington was playing well. Uh, Jake Allen was consistently good for them. And I... I'm not going to say this is a playoff caliber goaltending tandem, but at the very least, it'll make the Seattle Kraken competitive. And I think that's all you can ask for is a goaltending tandem that keeps you in games. Yep. So that, that is my goaltending tandem. Uh, I guess you could do like a process of elimination. It's like, oh, wait, you haven't done any Montreal. You haven't done any Dallas guys. So, uh, yeah, those were my two ones there. Um, also, I think... Well, yeah, it, and, yeah, and like it's also worthy to note that Ben Bishop and Carey Price have no move clauses, so yeah. they're automatically protected. Exactly. So it's just like, well, these guys are not are going to be available regardless of what they do, right? right? And also, like, Jake Edinger is unexempt, and I, th- I would assume Caden Primo is also uh, exempt as well. So Montreal and Dallas would be in good shape, even if they do lose those two guys, but... Um, yeah, it's interesting, too, because, like, Jake Allen has been outperforming a Carey Price, and Ben Bishop's been injured all year, so, um, and Anton Kudobin's been okay um, in his in his stead, so it would be a bad loss for both of them, uh, especially because, you know, Montreal made a trade for Jake Allen um, this offseason, and, you know, Anton Kudobin, a big reason why the Stars 
uh, made it that far in the the Stanley Cup was because of Kudobin. So it, they would be losing a fair amount, but um, but yeah, maybe they make a trade to so that they don't pick those two guys. But um, but yeah, it would be an interesting move for sure. Um, and then my uh, the third goalie that I have is Braden Holpe. Um, this one was one where I was trying to think about like how um, I I had them. You know, I had Vancouver protecting. Uh, um, Thatcher Demko and they should because of that contract stuff. Um, and then I, and then as for Vancouver, who else would they protect? Like maybe they let Oe Oli Ulevi exposed. Um, and I was debating on if Seattle actually does that. And then I was thinking about that more. And I was like, I'm not sure if they actually would want him. As like I was looking at all these other goaltenders situations maybe they take you know Vitek Vanacek um he's been pretty good this year um that would be a, a not bad move <laughs> maybe they help the Sharks out with taking Martin Jones um but could you imagine um so so maybe they do that too but um but yeah so I I went with Braden Holtby even though he's been struggling this year but I think Seattle could use a like a a cup winning goalie um, someone who has experience and knows how to win, and it could have like a Mark Andre Fleury type situation, um, where it's like he w- we know how what he was capable of, but for some reason he's fallen off quite a bit, and and he could have a quite a big resurgence, um, and would be someone that they could take a chance on. So I have Holtby as there, and it's also like if it doesn't work out, he's a UFA the next year. So. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of like a low risk, high reward type situation for them. Yeah, uh, the reason why I picked Tokarski instead of another veteran is because if I have two veterans, I'm not picking a third and stashing one of the minors. Um, yeah, and if if pick a third veteran goalie, I'd probably trade one of the others uh, or that yeah. particular goalie, um, because I I think. I, 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 I don't – the last thing I want to do as a rookie franchise is to kind of step our people, like, right, right. off the bat. It's just like, yeah, we have the other, the, these other two guys. You mind waiting the AHL a little bit? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, we can point. only keep two of them at the same time. So True. I, that's that's why I ended up going with Tukarski instead of Volpe and also cap reasons. Um, but, yeah. but, yeah, I think that tandem is also under the cap as well. Like, that's a pretty decent tandem and also very short-term. Like, yep. Allen is a UFA in 2022, same with Holby, and I think no, actually, in 2023, Hugh Dobin's also a UFA. So. Actually, Allen's a UFA in 2023, as well as Godobin. Oh, right, right, because his two-year contract with Montreal kicks yeah. in next year, right? Okay. Right, right. So, yeah, Hugh yeah. Dobin and Allen are 2023 UFAs, yeah. Hugh Dobin, uh, Holby is 2022. You, right. you okay. do bring up a good point about bringing three uh like veterans and you would have one of them be in the minors so maybe it makes sense to like yeah i think vanacek was the one that actually stood out to me so i would probably mm-hmm. make some moves where like you know maybe vancouver does take um Ole Uwelevi, and then instead of orloff it's vanacek um in goal um i could see that happening as well so that you have a younger goalie um, and then you have a you know have a, a decent prospect as well because Yuva Levy um, has been pretty um, you know he was a highly doubted prospect when he came in, when he was drafted so mm-hmm. 
Um, so maybe there is potential there. Um, now, just out of curiosity, how does your team stack up against the salary cap? Because I was able to keep track of mine before. Uh, yeah, the, it. Um, the app closed. Well, I made some changes already. Let me actually, because of the Vanacek switch. Let's see here. Um, I have to do that now. I, I think I'm a little bit over, but I should be okay if I do make this. While, uh, while you're switch. looking, do you want me to tell everyone uh, what mine looks like? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So in terms of roster, um, the minimum is 14 forwards. I have 18. I have uh, nine out of nine uh, minimum defense, three out of three goalies, yep. uh, 21 out of 20 contracts. So I might have to do some stuff around there. In terms of UFAs, I already said Mike Riley uh, and Michael Bunting. RFAs for 2021, you have Warren Fogel, Ryan Donato, Igor Sharon Govich, Teddy yep. Bluger, Vince Dunn, Christian Mullane, and Travis Dermott. In terms of salary cap hit, $60.23 million out oh, of nice. 81.5. But in terms of actual salary, I will be using $73.4 million next year, which means in terms of cap space, I have $8.1 million to work with. Nice. So, okay, so I did make the switch. Uh, Banachek is now the Seattle guy, and then instead of Orlov, I have Uolevi. Um, so okay. I, I do have uh, 18 forwards, 9 defensemen, 3 goalies. Um, uh, and then my cap hit was $75.1 million. Um, I don't have any UFAs. Like I mentioned, it makes no sense for Seattle to take any UFAs. I know... I, I get your reasoning, but I still, I don't think Seattle would do that. Um, but yeah. um, I guess it's a little weird of a loophole. But um, but I do have, having said that, I do have a five RFAs this year um, for, for them to sign. But it could happen. Okay. We'll see. Um, yeah. We'll see. I, I feel like if, I, I don't think either one of us is going to go 30 for 30. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll see, I'd but... be surprised if anyone's bracket goes thirty for thirty. Yeah. No one's March Madness bracket goes thirty for thirty. Yeah, so. Exactly. That'll be. I mean, it would be it would be cool if I if I actually got it right. Um, oh yeah. So, do you think? Uh, so then we have some questions to end this show here. Uh, do you think the Seattle tr that Seattle tries to copy the Vegas identity? Will it work out? Um, so we love the hockey guy on YouTube. Um, he had a video, a YouTube video out, which kind of talked about the similar thing. He didn't do what we did with actually showing what our team was and, and stuff. Maybe he'll eventually do that. Um, yeah, probably closer to the actual expansion draft. Yeah, I would do. imagine yeah. that's what he'll do. But um, Probably when everything's solidified and we know who's Although, protected. Yeah, yeah. It's probably going to be around playoff time for him, so maybe he'll be more mm -hmm. focused on that. But who knows? Yeah. Um, it's Never possible. Was. But anyways, he mentioned these 10 different things about um, what Vegas did for their success and what Seattle can learn from them. Um, and one of those moments was, he had a, a couple of interesting ones, so if you want to check it out, you can uh, you can look it up. But um, um, one, of the, one of the videos and one of his points was is that Vegas had this identity um, at the start uh, where it's like the no one believed in us and they kind of had a chip on their shoulder even to the miss the toys if you will yeah uh, yeah exactly and like even to the point where like their coach Gerard Gallant was a misfit in a way he was fired on the taxi cab 
plane ride, like he, he couldn't even go on the plane ride. He was fired and he had to take a taxi cab all the way down to where he lives. Um, I guess it must have been a long trip. Um, but it, uh, so like, so even his coach was like a misfit and, and um, had a chip on his shoulder. And of course they proved it and they, you know, they went to the Stanley Cup finals the next year. Um, their, their first season, to their credit, their first team didn't have Max Pacioretty or Mark Stone. Um, so it, it does look a little different because those are like their two best players right now. But they still have like, you know, Shea Theodore, Mark andre Fleury. Um, they still have a couple of the guys still on the team there. Riley Smith, Mar- yep, Jonathan Marchessault. Uh, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marchessault, Braden McNabb, yep. Thomas Nosek. Thomas Nosek, um, there was a couple of other ones that I'm blanking, probably blanking on, but, um, and, um, that was like, you know, that's still like a part of their identity now. William Carlson's another one, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, Vegas kind of lucked out on and I'm not sure if that will happen again, but. Alex you know, Tuck is another one Alex too. Alex Tuck is another playing one. Playing yeah. a big role for them as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. So it's definitely like something that's helped them a lot. Um, and then another thing that the hockey guy had mentioned was, you know, at the time Vegas had been like making like a bunch of these different trades, uh, a couple that we've mentioned already. Like one was to get Shea Theodore um, because Anaheim had like a plethora of young defensemen. It's like, okay, here, take Shea Theodore. And it turns out like he's a lot better than what uh, Anaheim has to offer now. Um, and, um, and then there was a couple of other ones like Minnesota and they kept on, they made these trades to get a bunch of picks in the future. And I think at the time we were thinking that Vegas was going to use those picks because they were rebuilding. So like they were just taking a lot of picks so that they could draft because that's what they were focusing on was focusing on the draft. But then it turns out that they were actually good right away. And they use those picks to uh, incentivize other teams and get, like, Thomas Tatar. Um, I think that was the biggest one that I'm thinking of. Paul Stasny. Well, well that, that yeah. was the first big one. Yeah. And Stasny, they signed in free agency. Um, oh, but, right. But right. I thought they got Tatar that one in, in a trade. Yeah, but yeah. Right. But Tatar, they gave, like, a first, a second, and a third. And then yeah. they trade Tatar to Montreal along with Nick Suzuki Yep. for oh, yeah, Max, yeah. Pacioretty. Max Pacioretty. Was another and, one, yeah. and then with those other uh, first-round picks that they got from the trades, they select uh, the aforementioned Nick Suzuki, Cody Glass, and Eric Brandstrom right. in the first round. And then they trade Eric Brandstrom to Ottawa for Mark Stone. For Mark Stone, yeah. yeah. And yep. I think, did they get a, a couple of picks from you too, or is that not true? Oh, well, there were, there were some other moving parts, but yeah, the main, the main part was they got Mark Stone and Ottawa got Eric Brandstrom. Right, I thought I, I thought maybe Vegas gave maybe a couple of picks too, but I'm not I forget. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so that kind of like became a part of their identity. But um, but yeah, I think after doing this experiment, like I started to realize that there are going to be a couple teams that like like are going to make similar type of trades, and it's like they're going to have no choice. Like, Boston is one of them where it's like they, they could take yeah. a couple of these guys and you're like, 
okay, that that's gonna hurt, but maybe Seattle yeah. does it. You have but, you have guys yeah. like uh, Carolina, Colorado, Edmonton, yeah. Minnesota, Toronto, yeah. Tampa for sure. Yeah, and, it, and the interesting thing is, is like I've hear I've heard like even like Elliot Friedman saying like this, you know, Vegas isn't gonna, like Seattle isn't gonna get as lucky because like Florida and Minnesota traded them like made very stupid trades and Anaheim made very stupid trades to Vegas, but it could very well happen again. Where Yeah. Like imagine, <laughs> yeah. imagine Anaheim protecting their yep. and then Seattle snatches Hayden Flurry and yep. then he becomes Shea Theodore 2.0. Right, right, right. And but like, that could happen. Yeah, that could happen. Minnesota's in the same situation where they, mm-hmm. like, they don't want to let jo- Jordan Greenway go. Um, or Joel Erickson Eck go, so it's like they they could also make a trade with Seattle, and that may not work out for them as well. So, um, so yeah, it, it, it'll be an interesting situation for them for sure. Um, yeah, so so do we think Seattle tries to copy the Vegas identity, and will it work out? I think they will make trades. I don't think they'll be as lucky as Vegas did their first year. I think that's like impossible. Like the only way that um, they could even replicate that would be like saying that they would win the Stanley Cup their first year, which I don't think they will. But I do think like, you know, after doing this exercise, I think it, you know, it could be a decent team. I, I, I don't see them like being like cellar dwellers. I, I think they're better than like the Red Wings are right now or the Ottawa Senators are right now. So I could see them, you know, making, being like in the bubble um, and, and all that stuff which I guess leads to our second question, but um, I don't think they're going to like win the Stanley cup finals or, or win the Stanley cup. So I think just based on how the system has worked, they are going to benefit from some trades Yep. and they are going to try to copy the, the Vegas identity to an extent where they, they get a good blend of like veterans and misfit toys and, and a capable goaltending tandem that can win them games as well. Um, even though you look at Vegas's depth in goal their first year and it totally fantastic, not nearly as fantastic as it is today. Um, but, but I, I would say serviceable enough, they could do a job. Um, now in terms of the Vegas model, it's amazing how Vegas developed their brands of style, which is for check the living crap out of teams and force mistakes like Vegas is has been experts at that for years. They've been takeaway machines. They forecheck so hard. They backcheck very well. Um, they're in the echelon of Calgary, or sorry, not Calgary. They're in the echelon of Carolina and Colorado, where they just blitz you at every turn. Right. And you, you like everyone was talking about the San Jose Sharks in 2017 in round one and how fast they were against the Ducks, and they were just overwhelming them. Then you put Vegas in the same arena and they're just, they're, they can't play their game and they're going offside at a ridiculous rate. Game six of the 2018 playoffs in particular um, in, in that second round series with Vegas, we really saw it where in that first or second period, they, they just couldn't get any form of offense going because Vegas was just ruthlessly bombarding them with their offensive attack and, and yeah, and their back check, their strong, strong back check. And they were able to develop that in a matter of months. Yeah. And they've continued that. So 
I don't know if it's going to be as easy for Seattle to do that this time around. And if they're going to be able to get that uh, same kind of team, that same kind of style uh, developed um, as quickly as Vegas did. Maybe they could within three to four years, but I don't think it's, it's going to happen right away. And that'll lead to our second question a little bit. It also is worthy to note. You mentioned the stuff about Gerard Gallant. They don't have a coach right now. They have a GM. They have some scouts. They have a pretty good front office. They don't have a coach yet. And I think that coach and coaching style could be a factor in uh, how well the Seattle Kraken do um, right off the hop. Because I think the coaching style and the playing style with Vegas all seem to cohese it all seemed to fit in so perfectly and it was a good matchup i don't know if we're gonna get the same kind of cohesiveness with this team um well they could even get gerard gallant <laughs> um wouldn't there. that be something yeah gerard yeah. gallant's still yeah. there it's just like hey you want to coach an expansion team? i mean honestly like, yeah the first one went well honestly i think that's why he's still available because he he does want that seattle drum um, so I, I could see that happening. Um, also Bruce either he Bruce, wants yeah. a certain, either he wants a certain job or other teams don't want him. It's right. one of the two. Yeah, for sure. I, it may be a mixture of both. Um, and also I think like Bruce Boudreaux is out there. Um, I think there's a couple of other coaches that are out there, but yeah, those are the and two. And I think Boudreaux is spe- specifically mentioned that he'd love to be their first coach. So, yeah. um, that's Boudreaux something to keep in mind. Boudreaux could be a candidate. Yeah. Um, so uh, as long as Seattle doesn't make it to Game Seven, I think they're okay. Right? <laughs> um, okay, so then our second one, which I guess we kind of tease, I think both of us kind of tease, because uh, they're a pretty similar question: is how competitive do you think the Kraken will be in Year One? Again, I don't think they're gonna be, make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, I I could see like with the team that I assembled, I think it could be a playoff team. But I don't think it's going to be, like, a strong one. Um, and I don't think it'll be, like, go very far. But I think, like, you know, Jake Allen and Anton Kudobin could make a good goalie tandem. Um, and they could make some runs and stuff, even in the season, too. So, um, and those are, like, the two best backups in the league. So I could see that happening. Um, and then, like, you know, not to mention, like, I could see it happening where, like, Shane Gosespair gets into another level that we haven't seen since the beginning of his career. Tyler Johnson also could also like go on to a career that we haven't seen before. Nazem Kadri um, is another one, but who knows if they'll keep him. But yeah, so I think it's it would be a interesting. Like they they have some decent pieces, but. Um, I, I don't want to say that they'll like make it to the Stanley Cup Finals like Vegas did, um, but I, I think they'll they'll be like a they'll be in the mix, but I don't know if they'll necessarily like make it far in the playoffs if they do make that make it that far. So this this is an interesting question because there are a lot of factors that we don't know. For example, are we going to go back to the old divisions? And I think part of the the factors into that is going to be okay. What's how, how are we looking with the pandemic and all yeah. that? Cause if it still makes sense to continue with this current format, true. 
you're going to have the Canadian division, which is still seven teams because Canadian teams are still seven. Right. Um, so that will mean you would... have probably one team, one division that has nine teams in it and the other two that have eight. So supposedly what they were going to do um, back before the pandemic was they were going to move Arizona to the central Right. Um, and then have Seattle be the eighth team in the West. Um, right. I imagine what they will do, though, is they'll probably have, if they are going to keep these divisions for another year, which I guess is still possible, but may not actually happen, um, they'll probably move Minnesota to the Central, or they'll move Colorado to the Central, or I guess Arizona to the Central, but um, they'll probably move one of those teams that are more east of the Western Division so mm -hmm. that they can make more room but i guess you're right because then the numbers don't really add up because then you have right either way you're gonna get nine, a division yeah. that is nine teams and the two that have eight yeah right 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 yeah and it wouldn't work yeah. evenly anyways maybe they have like yeah. five divisions <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they would do it actually maybe. yeah yeah that it, it it depends. It depends on on how everything works out there. But, but I would I would assume yeah. I I think we can assume that it's going to be back to old divisions next year. Okay. But well, either way, regardless of whether or not it's old, they're in the California sphere, so they're going to be in the California division. Right. The team with all the, they're going to be in the same division as Vegas. They're going to be in the same division yep. as San Jose, Anaheim, and L.A who are all trending downward. So what? I th I think Seattle could be better than at least two of the California teams, maybe San Jose. Yep. Um, so I think Seattle at best will be fourth. At worst, will be fifth or sixth. They're def definitely not going to be dead last. I don't think they're going to be that bad. Um, whether or not they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs, if it's a top four format, they'll certainly be in the hunt. Um, but if it's a situation where the top three in each division get in and then the rest have to battle for like the wild card spot, yep. that's a whole different ball game because then you've got uh, the highly stacked central division and we we all know how how good right. that division is, especially with Minnesota being a resurgent team and Dallas potentially still being in the mix with all the young talent they have, mainly Jason Robertson. Um, yep. <laughs> so it, it, I, I think there'll be a fringe playoff team, but I wouldn't be shocked if they missed the playoffs either. It's, yep. it's a coin toss, but I don't think they're going to be bottom 10 in the league. I don't think they're going to be that bad. Yeah. I, I don't think they'll be that bad. However, I do want to say that I don't think it would be that bad of an idea if they do, like when they do make all these different trades, I don't think it would be a, that like, bad of an idea to like make trades so that they like stockpile picks um for the 2021 draft and the 2022 draft and don't do what vegas did where like because i don't know if like someone like mark stone or max petrietti will be available for them or like robin leonard um what they what they could do is just like stockpile just take advantage of the draft and like because they've had a year where that's all they've been focusing on is the draft and I guess the expansion draft too, but like, you know, like, yeah, probably you know, the 2022 draft when there's more of like engage yeah. and development and scouting exactly. that and considering that draft is more stacked with talent, yeah, probably even, 2022 is what they should be focused on. Right. Right. So like try to get picks 
in the 2022 drafts. Like, don't try to get, like, the Shea, the next Shea Theodore. Like, try to, like, get the 2022 draft where they could get potentially the next Shea Theodore in five yeah. years or something like that. So, yeah, um, and, yeah, and, something and like the, that. the, that's the other thing with Vegas and Seattle that I think it's going to be different. It's yep. different with Vegas because they were into the Stanley Cup finals right yep. away and they were contending right away and they were contending again in their second year when they got Mark Stone and then and they got Max Patch ready uh, in a trade with Montreal prior to the start of that season. They also got uh, Paul Stastny via free agency. And then they uh, then they get uh, Robin Leonard in a 2020 trade. And then they re- and then they sign Alex Petrangelo in free agency right. this past summer. That was all because Vegas was so good and so fast. I it'll it'll be interesting to see the dynamic in Seattle because I don't think they'll be as good as Vegas. And I don't think they should try to be as good as Vegas if they're not as good as Vegas. So how they handle guys with expiring contracts, it could be an entirely different ballgame than what Vegas did. Right, right. They may actually start to use those picks instead of trading them. Um, Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, for Vegas, that was just a unique situation. No one expected them to be that good right away. Um, Whereas it's probably not going to happen for Seattle. But if it does happen, I mean, I guess more power to them. But... (laughs) Um, but it's probably not going to happen. All right. So that's about it for us here. Um, you can follow us on Lay Sudden Podcast where you can get our latest episodes. We usually update hockey news throughout the week as well. Um, our Facebook is Lay Some Up. Um, and you can also listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 267 of the Lace Em Up podcast.